Well, good morning, Alan. Good morning, how Mark. I'm doing we well. Are, how are you? We're doing fine. We're two voice devs. It's, we're two uh, voice devs. It's Monday morning. <laughs> My time. It's a little bit later. I guess it's still morning in New York. Um, but uh, middle of November. So uh, what, what have you been working on? Mostly these, you know, uh, well, this weekend actually was dedicated a lot to the, uh, the great voice den party that, uh, that Dr. Terry Fisher threw and kind of a bunch of stuff surrounding that. That was, that was a fun time. I saw you were there. A lot of yeah. people were there. There were a lot. There were, I, th I think it was over 170 at least at, yeah. at one point. A lot of, lot of people, two hours, just a lot of fun. It, it was a, you know, a good, ex a good <laughs> experience, kind of like party that I haven't been to in a long time uh, experience, but it was good. No, it was a fun time. How about you? Oh, um, just keep working. I've got some, you know, big deadlines at work, getting some things done. And, uh, and then I spend a little bit of time over the weekend trying to uh, get this game that I'm trying to work on getting out, but uh, trying to work on deployment to Lambda and kind of some you know, system component type things. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And, 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 what, and that dovetails nicely to what I think we want to talk about yeah. this week is uh, the article you posted a few weeks ago about the, the system architecture for NumberSpy. Number yeah, Spy. so numbers, yeah, NumberSpy uh, was, was originally a flash briefing that was going to then have a, uh, a voice uh, Alexa skill with it. And right off the bat, because it was trying to mimic number station, I knew it needed to do some audio processing. So there needed to be some additional uh, components that are uh, brought were brought into that, and then kind of at the end, taking a look back about all the all the things that uh, went into it, turned into like a whole system, you know, architecture, uh, some backend components and, and integrations and stuff, and it just uh, turned turned into looking more like a enterprise software project than than a voice game. But well. And I, and I think one of the interesting things that I found while, while reading through the article, and, while, and you've got a great picture on yeah, it, in, on one sense, it seems like this big enterprise thing, but also how it, it breaks things down nicely and gets the right components to the right places. And that's what creates this nice multimedia holistic kind of game mm -hmm. that you were, you were working on. Yeah, so um, you know, go check out the article and you can see uh, specifically how it connects together uh, for number spies, and if you have any questions, you know I'm happy to answer. Uh, but let's talk about some of the the integrations that we've yeah. done on projects. You know, not necessarily just number spies, but other projects that we've worked on, whether it be things that we that are like built into the voice app, um, or things that are kind of in that whole ecosystem that go around the voice app, that uh, that helps make the experience better. Now, one of, one of the things I think I found interesting kind of as part of, and this, this was as part of Number Spies was, now did I, did I follow it correctly that you're, you, you pre-generated the number sequences for the flash briefing each day, correct? Yeah, so there's a, actually there's a content management system where I could enter in what my message was and give it a specific day that the message was going to be before. And so then there's a, a daily cron job that's a lambda that runs in aws that checks at uh zero utc um, if there is anything there for that day if there's if there's nothing for that day as far as a message it generates a fake static 
you know, kind of message. So if you tune into the number station on that day, then you just hear static. Uh, but if it is a message, then it goes through the process of generating the, the audio, which is the, you know, well, it takes the message and codes it, takes those numbers, generates a series of, uh, you know, SSML that's processed through poly, uh, through some audio processing to a, finally to an audio file and a, because the flash briefing needs a feed, mm -hmm. uh, JSON, then it also updates that feed JSON with the information so that when you say, you know, what's my flash briefing, then uh, it goes ahead and, and pulls the information from that feed and, and the audio file that's associated with that. Now, I wanna, I wanna kind of focus on the CMS part for okay. at least a mm -hmm. little bit, because this is a topic you and I have had a few conversations around. And yeah. I think it's one that I think a lot of voice developers really should be thinking more about as we're doing our development. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about what Number Spies was doing for a CMS, and then let's talk in general about CMSs. Okay. Um, so actually, when I first started with Number Spies, and and also kind of my uh, in some of the other projects that I've done, when I've needed something where I've wanted to have information outside of the the skill itself, so it can change without having to redeploy, I've used things like a Google Sheet or Airtable, and and those work uh, great. Uh, you know, there's solutions that are, are, you know, good on their own. Uh, and, but I and, was like, and one of the things Jovo, one of the things is great is that Jovo has direct support for those, right? It's yeah. So, so interestingly, um, kind of on the content management side of things, you've got the text to, you know, text to speech, um, strings that are part of the responses. You can choose to have those in or out of a CMS In this particular project, those are outside of a CMS. Those are just baked in but there's other game components that are inside of a CMS because mm -hmm. those are the things that I wanted to change. But yes, there is integration if you wanted to have those uh, text-to-speech strings outside of um, your code and inside of a CMS, you could use some a Jovo implementation for those. And there is Jovo um, connection for like a plugin for Airtable or a plugin mm -hmm. for Google Sheets, yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of chuckling because you're, you're talking of things in terms of, uh, in, in you know, in, the, in dialogue and out of dialogue elements. And I know that as I was working on multivocal, mm -hmm. which is a library to handle some of these things, my, my objective was kind of say, well, there, there is no in versus out. It's all configuration. Right. And you need to be able to put the configuration where you want it. And sometimes, sometimes that means putting it into, embedding it directly into the code. And sometimes that means putting it into something like a sheet or Airtable or right. a Firebase Firestore or multiple ones because some configurations make more sense in one place than another. So multivocal is very much aimed at use any of the configuration modules wherever you want, however you want. It's all just configuration to multivocal itself. Yeah, so so by, by the time it gets to, the time it gets to the library, it doesn't matter where it came from. It's constantly updated automatically. Yeah, no, and that's, that's an interesting um, a, approach to, to solving the, the problem. I think um, I kind of go back and forth. I've, I've had projects where, um, like this is way before Jovo had integration with uh, a number of these things that um, I found a, uh, what's called a headless CMS. It's a, it's a content management system where you can put in data and access it through an API, and then then the the head part is um, 
your website or your mobile app or wherever you want to mm -hmm. consume that data. And so they call it headless because it's not baked in. Like a typical CMS would be like a WordPress or a, you know, some of the, the ones that have been around for a long time, but they were, the content was specifically tailored or meant to be shown in the web uh, as opposed to headless. It's, yeah. it's, it's saying it doesn't matter what you're, where you're going to display this data. You're, you're going to have some way of uh, entering in this information and then uh, access it via an API. But um, early on, before, I, I, I did do some text-to-speech strings and, a, and a, uh, an approach for a university here in Arizona that uh, was using Graph CMS. It's a, it's a headless CMS. And so all the uh, TTS um, was in that. Uh, as opposed to number spies, I kept that TTS inside, just inside a JSON file um, inside my project, but the game content I used a CMS, another headless CMS called uh, Sanity.io. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting, you know, what you can find when you go out there and 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 you know just find a, a CMS that works for you and and decide you know how you're going to use it. Uh, but I, I I would highly recommend this CMS. It's you know it's been just really nice to be able to change some game components without having to recompile and. Yeah, no, and I, in fact, I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I recommend using CMS or some other external storage, uh, just in general, because it makes it so easy to, to integrate and manage and so forth. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of external CMSs for all content, simply because, you know, one of the things I, I, I happened to me more than once is, you know, in when I actually deploy it, the conversation elements sound a little off. And rather than have to redeploy the entire back end, I can just start fiddling with the text itself in the CMS to make sure it sounds correct. And I think that's important. Yeah, I think uh, the, the ability to, to tweak and to improve and to, you know, to move fast when you do that is one of the advantages of, uh, of a CMS. And, you know, and, and I think this is one thing that, um, that we, you know, it's not just a lesson that we've learned in the voice world. These are, this is what we've learned from deploying web apps and deploying mobile apps and deploying all of these other things is this is the right way to do it is to separate the, the text, the, the, the audio from the logic. And I think that's something designers really need to think about is how are we separating the logic for all of these yeah. parts? Um, which I think also speaks to the rest of your architecture that you built here. Yeah, so um, some of the other parts uh, you know, that are, that I guess you might wanna consider in different integrations is, uh, I've seen voice apps where you wanna get information off to somebody uh, so maybe you know, they've learned something from your, your voice app about your company and you want to contact somebody at the company. Uh, you can either send them um, that, that contact an email or a text message. And so that would be something like a Twilio or a SendGrid that you could, you could plug in. Or in the case of number spies, you can ask for information and it will email um, the player. And that's also a way of increasing engagement and retention. Um, by sending out periodic emails or, or being able to, to get access to some different information and that just uh, rounds out the user experience more. Now, one of the things I noticed NumberSpies does is it's got the, the Facebook integration and the Twitter integration. You wanna 
kind of talk a little bit about that in terms of how that were how users were interacting with that and the the audio element at the same time or how they yeah. kind of fit into each other yeah so like the so a, a message starts off in a cms for a given day and then like i said the, the lambda function that runs on a daily basis will turn that into a message and audio file and make that available for a flash briefing but i also wanted the ability to you know have additional channels where i could engage the player and one of those would be would be facebook so i wanted to be able to take that encoded message um, and post that on facebook so that th that would be another place that they could see it or they could copy the text from that and there's a website where you could turn that uh, series of numbers into the message um, so that you could decode it right there on the website so in order to do that integration, I used something called Zapier. Now, if you've used uh, If This Then That or IFTTT uh, before, Zapier is, is, close, is you know, very similar to that. But in some cases, um, it lets you do a lot more things. So I, I'm not sure if, uh, if This Then That allows you to have a webhook. But in Zapier, you can define um, just some webhook or API endpoint. So I can have my code call that API endpoint, which then triggers Zapier to do some things. And so then I'm able to you know, pass in some information as part of that webhook that uh, is the information that is the encoded message. So then Facebook can do a post. And then I had another Zapier integration that says, whenever I post this to Facebook, go ahead and take that link and re-post you know, it or you know, tweet it um, so that there's another channel that you can access. So those are, you know, those are a couple of ways that you could use uh, Zapier uh, inside of your voice apps. You know, I think the big lesson there is, again, as we're developing our, our, our voice apps, is to realize we're not doing this in isolation. These, you know, voice is a component of a bigger picture. And I think the converse is also true. As we're developing non-voice apps, we need to keep in mind how, how will voice fit into this? It's, it's one of the things that I thought of very a lot when I was working with uh, Voodoo Drive, which is inherently, how do we deal with stuff that wasn't built for voice? Right. And how do we add a voice component to it? And there it was, you know, okay, how do, I, how do I make the connections with OAuth? And how do I make it so that uh, when you're doing something in voice, it automatically gets reflected on the non-voice side and vice versa? And there it was easy. The, the rest of the system was already designed to handle that. But certainly if we're designing databases that uh, you know, we, we think are applying to just a narrow channel, they may not be. And we need to keep in mind that you know, I, may need, I may be you know, entering something in my phone and then switch to voice and then switch back to the phone. Yeah, and, I, I you know, and I think we need to keep these elements in mind. Yeah, because I think we're going to see more and more of that. The, the fact that you're going to be able to carry the same experience or start an experience, continue it, you know, 20 minutes later in the car, you know, or, you know, when you get home on the big screen, your, your TV, there's on your phone, there's just going to be different ways. You know, if this is going to, if voice is going to be ambient, then you need to be able to carry on um, the, the whole like some cohesive uh, usage of it throughout a day across multiple right. devices. And, and, you know, I think, I think our systems are at the point where we can do that. So, you know, yeah. we've got tools like uh, Firebase and Firestore, 
which are real-time databases that, that essentially, if you, you make a change in them, they automatically go out to everywhere that's subscribing to that change. So if I'm making a change in voice, I can see it immediately reflected on my mobile device or on a desktop or on a, on a web yeah. interface that's subscribing to the same part of the database. And I think those are, that's a really powerful set of tools that real-time notion not just, you know, I, okay, I can make a query to the database and, you know, because of eventual consistency, at some point in the next hour or so, my databases will all be in sync. I think we, you know, with voice, we really need to focus on that real-time component for it. Yeah, well, just imagine something like uh, I don't know, garage door technicians and they have a voice assistant in their car. I, and... Uh, they could say, you know, I've arrived at this location and it could be through an integration like you just described, a dashboard at corporate headquarters that now you know exactly where that person is, that they're ready at the next client site or something. And, and that's a very, you know, easy integration. That's, that's totally possible today with a voice app on your phone or in the, in the car. Um, and then integration with a, a dashboard at uh, on a website or something that, right well or and I, and I think actually the, the other the other point is that 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 dashboard could be on a website it could be on an app it mm -hmm. could be on a notification that gets triggered and either goes to a mobile device or to a voice device it could be a voice query or an audio dashboard could be yep you know, we've you know it could be the big display that's sitting up you know in the in the lobby at, the, at headquarters, there's all sorts of ways that the data can be presented. We just want to make sure it gets out in as close to real time as we can. And traditional tools didn't really let us do that. And tools such as Firebase and Firestore and to some extent um, DynamoDB and, and other you know, tools like that let us be closer to real time than we were before. Yeah, no, that's that's totally. And there's, um, you know, some of the additional systems that I've used in in AWS um, that could be used for notifications would be something like EventBridge. You know, I've had something inside of a voice app before where I I want it to notify something or kick off some other process. It's not it's something that's asynchronous. It's not something that I need back in the seven seconds that I have uh, in my round trip of my conversation. But I can very quickly. Uh, trigger one or more events on the event bridge and have it, you know, do some stuff that then I can check back on later or um, that's used in another part of the system. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, also doing these sorts of things also imposes kind of, you need to rethink some of our approaches sometimes. So, you know, you use, you use AWS Lambda a lot and I use Google Cloud Functions a lot, which are, and they're, they're very similar. Yeah. But the biggest notion about both of them is you're not guaranteed which instance of that you're going to get to. So if there's data that you need to save, it needs to be saved outside of the instance itself. Right. You know, so you either need to make sure you put it into a data store of some sort and have a good reference to it. Or in Google's case, we can store it as part of the session data. Um, but, you know, but either way, we need to make sure it's available out there, which means maybe we need to implement something like a memcache somewhere so we can pull the most current data in quickly. Yep. And it, it changes the architecture and how we need to think about it. Yeah, definitely a, a lot simpler than the, the very basic, uh, this is how you create a skill example. You start thinking about right. these, these other things and 
it, it definitely um, it and, blossoms. Yeah. And, and I think that's important for us as developers to realize as we're going through it is, you know, yeah, the, the, that nice simple example is good for a hello world. But when we start creating things like number spies or voodoo drive or serious applications that we expect to be used in a wide variety of places, we need to think about these sorts of things more. Yeah, exactly. Um, some of the interesting integration also that I've needed to do with uh, number spies was, was audio manipulation. Now, some of this stuff probably could be used now with the new APL for audio um, functionality. Because what I needed to do is I needed to have Polly read off a series of numbers. I had already some audio files for like an intro and outro music. And then I had an audio file which was you know, various static, um, like on radio. So in order to you know, combine all those together, um, that I used a tool called FFmpeg, which is, um, is just, uh, you know, it's, it, well, what the implementation I ended up doing was with Lambda, you can do something um, called a, um, oh, now, now, I'm, now I'm shooting, I'm losing what I'm thinking about. Um, a layer, Lambda layer, thank you. Um, so you can add a Lambda layer, which would be some code um, that gets deployed along with your Lambda function, and it's just there. And what it is is, it, it's, it's some other process. FFmpeg is just its own process. It's, you could do it as a console, but you could trigger code from your Lambda to actually spawn off that child process and then do processing audio. And then you've got a temp folder um, on your Lambda that you can uh, do processing on and then grab, grab the file back out of that. So, so it's, it's another, so I hadn't known about Lambda layer. So it's, it's basically another it's a way to execute a program that also got installed along with your code. Yeah, so what you can do is you can, in, instead of having to somehow package up FFmpeg with your Lambda and deploy that as part of the zip when you deploy your Lambda, you can define a Lambda layer and associate it with the, the Lambda function. Hmm. And it's just there. It's kind of like it marries the Lambda layers in with whatever your Lambda function is, and it's just there. So you could, you could pre-deploy certain libraries or modules or files um, in a Lambda layer and just have them available. Um, in some cases, uh, uh, like, like in this case, FFmpeg, and, and it's fairly easy to, uh, to do, and you can usually find you know, some libraries that people have already done. There's a marketplace on, on AWS where you can find um, Lambda layers that you can include in. And so um, I found uh, FFmpeg. There's another one called, another library for audio processing called Sox, S-O-X. And I actually use both of those because in some cases it was easier, the syntax was easier for um, FFmpeg to do. But then I also wanted to be able to like trim the audio to a certain length. And that was a lot easier in Sox. So I, uh, that's why I chose that library. But Well, and I think that what, what the lesson that always reminds me of is pick the right tool for the job. Yep. You know, it's just because, you know, when, when you and I got started with this, how much did you know about Lambda at all? I, I didn't know anything about, right. I didn't know anything about AWS when I got started in 2016. So. And yet that was the right tool for the job and you learned it. And, you know, you know, so I, I think, you know, developers shouldn't be afraid to learn these new tools that are out there. And certainly, you know, AWS has an incredibly rich variety of tools 
as part of the ecosystem, which you know can help you do things far easier. Yep. Um, Google Cloud, same thing, not quite as many, but you know, there's still, there's many things that are already out there and already built and you might as well take advantage of them. I mean, you know, the, one of the things I really enjoy about working in Google's environment is just being able to say, well, you know, Google's been using PubSub for a decade and now we can too. You know, so it's yep. this really easy way to just send something out. And again, in the same way that uh, the, the, the Elastic Bridge is, send something out and you know, eventually it'll end up at the right spot. I don't need to worry about the time sensitivity of it. Yeah, no, and something, another note on the audio processing, because I had the, the idea for Number Spies, uh, you know, more than a year before I actually started putting code out on it. I knew that there was going to need to be some sort of audio processing, but I had no idea how to do it. And it really wasn't until a series of events where I finally worked on something at a project at work that did audio processing. I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> that I, I finally learned enough. I'm like, okay, now I can start this because I, you know, I know what it, uh, what it takes. I can start seeing the, the uh, light at the end of the tunnel. Whereas before it was like, this is a cool idea. I have no idea how I'm going to do this. And you know, this is the sort of this is the sort of place where I think we get to plug the community because it's very easy to not know where you need to do something. Yeah. You know, reach out to other people and say, here's what I need to do. Is there a tool that does this? Because you know, I've searched and I can't find one or I don't know what the best one is. There are lots of people out there that have been down this road that are are happy to say, Oh yeah, you need FFmpeg for that. Or yeah, that's a tough one. There's no good solution. Right now. <laughs> yeah, so no, that, that, that's true. And I think, uh, you know, the voice community has been a great uh, community to be involved in. Um, but I, I've also just recently started plugging in and getting no notifications from uh, some of the different accounts on Twitter that are for AWS. And I, I, I like when there's a new release of something on, uh, on AWS. I keep, I look through there. I'm like, oh, something from DynamoDB. How is that going to improve uh, what I do for voice or, oh, they've got something uh, new for Lambda. That's cool, okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very much the same way when it comes to uh, Firebase and Google is, you know, every so often they're, you know, releasing stuff and I'm like, so what is this Firebase, you know, this change to Firebase analytics? Oh, that, I've wanted to do that for years and I can, you know, <laughs> oh, this database does that? Great. That's um, cool, and then yeah, and then you, you hit a situation where you, where you realize this would be a perfect solution for for a problem as you come across it. Yeah, no, so yeah, definitely tap into those those different communities because um, sometimes voice can get a bit insular, can't we? Yeah, <laughs> it can definitely. Um, I'm excited. One of the other implementations that I'm doing is a, is a game I'm currently working on. And I've um, using this. Uh, you keep teasing this game, and I. I know it is. So looking forward to this. <laughs> I, I and I, I've really been working hard. I was trying to to get to a point this weekend where I could deploy everything uh, with serverless um, on Lambda. And uh, for some reason, my file sizes are too big when I unzip on the Lambda side of things, which I don't know why that is. Um, but my, my goal is to get things out, was to get something out this week so I could start getting you, Alan, on, and a couple of other people on beta tests for it. But I really want to get this done before December so I can get this out and, uh, and released on multiple platforms. But anyway, behind the scenes, I use something, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a software as a service offering 
that um, I've known about since you know 2016. It was one of the early prototypes I was working on. It was a company called Playfab, and then eventually Microsoft bought them. But it is um, it allows you to do some of the same content management stuff, but for games. Uh, specifically for games, it's got leaderboards, it's got user creation, it's got a number of different things in it. Um, I've I've created a, a plugin for this game, and uh, my intention is that I will release the the plugin once I get some some things ironed out for it. But uh, allows you to create uh, you know characters and keep uh, keep uh, weekly leaderboards. So that's what's going to be something that's part of this game. So uh, if you haven't checked out Playfab yet, then uh, I encourage you to do that. That just went on my list. Thank you for that. You know, and, and actually, that's a good point. You know, we, we just talked about Google and Microsoft, uh, Google and Amazon. Microsoft has a lot of good stuff out there specifically for developers and for developer integrations. And, you know, you've got yep. Git there and, you know, uh, what you were just talking about. And, and they've got their whole Azure platform. So I think there's a lot there for developers to look at as well. Yeah, and uh, you know, I come from a you know, many, many you know decades of Microsoft uh, programming experience. I was you know primarily programming on C sharp for years, and uh, I I know you can create Lambda functions uh, uh, with C sharp, or you could. Uh, I've I've also known of libraries where you can run your uh, your backend code on Azure and and do Alexa skills. So. You don't necessarily have to relearn a completely new stack. It seemed like it made the most sense for me when I started in 2016, but there are a lot more choices available today that you can take, carry what what languages and experience that you know into creating voice apps. Right. On and I think I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind is you know we're we're building on the tools that we already know largely. You know, it's yep. one thing I, I like to emphasize a lot of is you know if you already know JavaScript hey, there's a place for you here. And if you don't know JavaScript and you code in some other language, that's okay, there's a place for you here. Yeah, you primarily code in Java. I know that you can code in C Sharp. I know that uh, you can code in Python um, to, to create these voice apps. Uh, uh, there's even uh, stuff that I've heard that you can use Go if you're yeah. wanting to use something that's, that's you know newer and kind of more along the lines of C or C++. So. You know, I think the, I think the well, the important bit is, you know, if there are components out there that you know and are familiar with, and that meet your needs, use them by all means. They'll work. And if there are components that you aren't familiar with but you need, they're out there, and you can find them. Yeah, the, I I uh, sometimes just spend time going through. Uh, you know, npm js and just looking through some different you know packages that are available just kind of you know querying different things to see just to you know see what what's out there or also just uh, github uh, just kind of exploring doing keyword searches on github to see what's out there on different projects it's just fun to explore out there and see what's what's available and how you might uh, be able to use those okay so uh what's coming up next in the articles Oh, let's see what else is coming up. Um, some more specific stuff on content management systems, like uh, how I use Sanity um, IO to 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 go ahead and and uh, design the different components, whether they be uh, transmissions or cities or missions or trips or all kinds of things. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's something that's uh, that's uh, 
coming up uh, soon in the, in the article series. Excellent. Looking forward to reading it. <laughs> All right. Well, let us know, um, you know, out there how we can help you uh, or if you've got something cool that you want to share that's uh, that we may not know about as far as integrations or libraries, then let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Indeed we would. You can find us on Twitter, plenty of other places. Remember, we are Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Take care, everyone. Have a good week.